the way I see it, we should be having so much fun this morning. Because you know what they say, right? More flags, more fun. And if I'm adding it correctly, one, two, three, four, five in the back, six, seven, eight up front, then we can have a debate on whether we want to call this a whole flag, a half flag. But either way, we've got flags everywhere. We should be having so much fun this morning that we cannot contain ourselves. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm fixing to have a lot of fun. Now, these flags, in my opinion, look nice, and I think it kind of, you know, kind of does that sprucing up kind of thing. But I put these here for a reason. We've been on a journey we've been talking about now for months. And I want to take you back to that journey real quick and show you where we are today when we celebrate on Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is sort of a culmination of a lot of things coming together coming to be and, and being revealed all at once. You may remember, seems like forever now, a few months ago, we met here in this place on a Wednesday night, sang songs, read scripture, prayed, same stuff we usually do. But here in the middle, we had the fire going. And, and, and we wrote on slips of paper those things that were keeping us hindering our relationship with God. And then we watched as the fire just consumed those things. And we told ourselves we would work on letting those things be gone. Remember that? I hope you do. And of course, on that Wednesday night, that started for us the season of Lent. And we started out by looking... The temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. And the baptism of Jesus. And we looked at different interactions that Jesus and his disciples had. That they had with each other. That they had with other people. And Lent took us all the way through until we got to Holy Week. Do you remember how we started Holy Week? It was here on a Sunday morning. We gave everybody palm branches. Found out who can be trusted with those can be can't on a Sunday morning. Remember that? And we waved those branches around the same way so many people did when Jesus first came into Jerusalem. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Remember that? And those palms were thrown out. And Thursday of that week we joined here again sang songs, read scripture, prayed together, celebrated Holy Communion. Then we got wild and crazy and participated in the foot washing as the palms just lay there. The next night, you remember Friday? Good Friday. We sat here, read scripture, sang songs, prayed, and witnessed how Jesus, and only the way Jesus could, demonstrated his love for us. And then, early Sunday morning, do you remember? It was raining something bad. Lightning, hail a few hours earlier. I showed up here and I thought, ain't nobody going to be here. 
but y'all fooled me. Y'all were here. And we celebrated on Easter morning. Do you remember that? We celebrated that as we went from here and to here, that now we were here and Christ was no longer in the tomb, but he was, in fact, risen. Do you remember that? If you were here, or if you were here on Easter morning, everything I've just said probably sounds very familiar. If it does, give yourselves a round of applause. Because that's exactly what I told you on Easter Sunday morning. I reminded you of that journey up to then. Now, the journey did not stop on Easter Sunday. Nothing stops on Easter Sunday. Not the Easter celebration, not the Easter joy, not even the story about Jesus finishes on Easter Sunday. Because if you remember what we talked about the last couple of weeks, after Jesus was raised from the dead, he spent time with his disciples again. And they walked together for a number of days. And he taught them. And they ate together. They probably laughed again. Did many of the same things they first did. Till we got to a certain Thursday. Then Jesus said, all right, guys, now it's your turn. He ascended. And before Jesus ascended, remember there was a few particular instructions he gave them. Great commandment, go out, excuse me, the great commission, go out and preach and all that kind of stuff. But do you remember what else he told them to do before he left? Stay in Jerusalem and wait. What were they to wait for? Now, I don't know if you know this about me yet. I'm really nothing but a big old kid, okay? <laughs> I'm the kid who lays in front of the Christmas tree staying up to 2 o'clock in the morning because I'm so excited about what's going to happen in a few hours. And even today, things in my life, things in life of the church, and I get really excited and I look forward to these types of things. Just like a little kid, just like I think the disciples of Jesus, when he said, don't go anywhere, guys, stay and wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. I think they, amidst all the confusion, uh, amidst all the uh, everything else that was going on, I think they were a little excited because this holiday season was nothing like anything they had ever experienced or ever heard of. Jesus turned everything upside down that holiday season. Let's go back real quick. Lent for us kind of builds up into Holy Week. And if you remember, Holy Week leads us up into the most important celebration in the Jewish tradition, which is what? Round of applause. The Passover. And do you remember what the Passover remembers? The spirit of death that passed over all the doorposts that had the blood of a lamb that was slain on it. The Jews remembered on that day during Passover that it was God's work that saved them. And the way they remember, a way they remember that is by slaughtering another lamb every single year. Guess what Jesus was doing the same time that little bitty itty Lamb was being sacrificed. 
He was being sacrificed Himself as the last and final sacrifice to save us all. But Passover isn't the only feast that's important for us today. There's a couple more I want to give to you. And uh, after I'm done, if your spirit, if your faith, if your heart isn't just excited just a little bit, we need to talk, you and me. We need to talk about the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. You heard of that one? Where they ate unleavened bread to remind them of when they were taken out of Egypt. They were taken out of Egypt by God so fast that the bread that they were cooking didn't even have time to rise. And so every year they eat this unleavened bread, which doesn't taste very good, but it reminds them of something. Now, the way they begin this feast, (laughs) they take an offering of grain. Now you tell me, what do you do with grain? You plant it. You put it in the ground, don't you? You sort of maybe bury it. What do you think Jesus was doing the same time the Jewish people who were there were burying their seed as a way of telling God, God, we trust that you are going to supply life to it. What was Jesus doing at the same time? He was being buried too. Y'all with me? Coincidence? Then that brings us to another feast we should be a little mindful of. The Feast of First Fruits. You've heard of this one? Remember, they've already buried the grain in the ground, telling God that they are going to depend on God to give life. The harvest. Christ gave us life, didn't He? And then, for the Feast of First Fruits, they come together and they offer up a fruit offering to tell God, thank you for giving them life, for providing for them what they need to live. At the same time that these people are celebrating God giving them life from the ground, now, what do you think Jesus was doing? He walked himself out of that grave that very morning. Y'all with me? So these people were giving God thanks for giving them life. And Jesus was showing them life. Now, I know y'all are a little more laid back than me, but if I'm sitting where you are, I'm praise God. There's one more, though. There's the Feast of Weeks. The Feast of Weeks happens a little bit later. And there's two things we do at the Feast of Weeks. One, we give thanksgiving for the end of the harvest that God has provided. And two, we remember that God gave us the Torah. Remember what the Torah is? First five books of the Bible. What are the first five books of the Bible? Give yourselves a round of applause. Very good. Give it, get, now, hold on. 
I want to make sure we, we, we remember something about the Torah coming. Okay, so I'm going to give you some scripture. You don't have to look them up. You can write them down if you don't believe me. I wish you'd go look them up. But a few things we need to remember about the coming of the Torah. First, how do we usually translate Torah? Torah? Law, right? There are plenty of, plenty of good words in the Hebrew language to say, to say law. Torah is okay. Really, to get the, the, the better meaning of Torah, the better translation is teaching. Y'all with me? Remember that. Now, there's a few things we've got to remember about when the law first came to Moses. In Exodus 24, we realize that it came down on the, quote, mountain of God. Y'all with me? In Exodus 19, we find out that when the Torah comes, we have images of wind, fire, and voices. Y'all with me? In, 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 when the Torah came, the presence of God was unavoidable. When the Torah came, Exodus 32, see if you remember this, 3,000 people lost their lives because of their sin. Exodus 31, God wrote his revelation on stone tablets. Y'all with me? Now, at the same time that these people are remembering these things, what's happening? Well, here we are on the mountain of God again. And all of a sudden, we get these images of what? Wind, fire, and voices. Y'all with me? The presence of God was certainly there. And just when the Torah came, just as 3,000 people lost their lives because of their sin, if you remember, when Peter started preaching, how many people came to know Jesus? 3,000. And just as, somebody do something for me. Look up John 15, excuse me, 14, 26. Really quick. John 14, 26. So in both events, we have the mountain of God. We have wind and fire and voices and tongues. We have three, something happening to 3,000 people. Did you find it? Read it for me. What's the first thing the Holy Spirit's going to do? The Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit going to do? You just read it. Before that. Teach. What do we say the Torah means? Hmm. So at the same time, all these people are remembering how God gave them teaching. The Word of God, the first five books that describes to them everything they need to know about their relationship with each other, about their relationship with God. The same time God sends His Holy Spirit to teach us now to do the same thing. I'm tired, y'all, because let me tell you why. Either somebody is playing a very sick joke on all of us. 
God is good. And you can believe whatever you want to believe this morning, but as for me in my house, huh? <laughs> God is good. Because all these things have come together now. And where before God wrote these laws on stone tablets, now he's written them on the hearts of his people. And, and, and one more thing. Remember when Jesus was on the cross and he cried out, It's finished! There was a curtain in the temple. And at that very moment, what happened to that curtain? And no longer was there that division between the Spirit of God and the rest of the world. At Pentecost, that day, God's Spirit didn't just dwell in the temple anymore. God's Spirit dwelt in God's temples. His temples being the disciples who are now apostles. Mary and the other people who, who followed Jesus. The people, those 3,000 people that heard about Jesus that day, they were the new temples. People like Paul later on and others who would continue to build the church through the ages. People like those we call the Methodists and the Baptists and the Presbyterians way back in the day. People who, like, who decided to make, to build this building here in this place. Temples like the people who taught you the Word of God, who prayed for you as a child growing up. And I'm even going to remind you this morning, temples just like each one of us. So now, all these things have come together. It's been laid out for all of us to see. My prayer for each one of us here this morning would be that we could feel the Spirit in a new way. The same way those disciples were never the same. Well, John, what, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with the disciples. They were faithful. They loved God. They followed Jesus. They were never the same. Today I pray that spirit would encourage us right now that we need to be encouraged, would console us as we need to be consoled, would teach us as we need to be taught, would guide us as we need to be guided, love us as we want to be loved. May that spirit, friends, be so real to you right now that you just can't stand it. It's your gift from God. Praise be to God. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your great gift of the Holy Spirit. God, put in a hunger in us to seek after that Spirit, to make that Spirit a part of who we are. God, give us the courage to do Your work.
Give us the courage to touch this world that so desperately needs your love. To touch our families, God, who are hurting too. To bring us peace. To remind us of love. To bring back your joy. To teach us how to love each other. To love ourselves. To love other people. Give us the passion to let others know of your love for them as well. Hear our prayers, Lord, and fill our hearts this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.